A week later, we return again to the parlor. George has a leather-bound notebook open that he is writing in. Sheila also sits in the parlor, reading a horticulture book. George's hand massages his throat absent-mindedly through his ascot. You keep doing that. What? Rubbing your neck. Oh. Are you feeling all right? Yes, dear, just a little fatigued, that's all. Here, let me help. Sheila gets up and stands behind him while rubbing his shoulders and back of his neck. Sheila, that's not really necessary. But you've always enjoyed my massages. <clears throat> yeah, but... What's wrong, George? I don't wish to alarm you, my sweet. Too late. I'm already alarmed. What are you hiding from me? Remember, no secrets. <sighs> this evening, in the lab, while working on XY1, I was installing programming upgrades when he suddenly leaped at me, grabbed me by the throat, and began strangling me. Oh my god! Luckily, the upgrade failed, and he was momentarily incapacitated. I took the opportunity to shut him down. Are you alright? Just a little bruising, my dear. I'll be fine. XY1, however, needs a bit more work. This is quite a setback. I don't like him. Dear, you don't even know him. I guarantee you'll like him. I designed him myself, especially for you. He has designs of his own. He's dangerous. You need to destroy him. Darling, think of what you're saying. You've hounded me for years to design sentient programming for Margaret. And after one minor setback, you want me to scrap all the work I've put into XY1? It was not a minor setback. He was trying to kill you. That's nonsense. There's no tendency for violence in his programming. But you gave him free will. And gave him a purpose. True, but... You made him as a companion for me. And don't you see? Right now you're the only one standing between me and him from being together. He wants you gone. Permanently. Oh, my sweet. I see you're genuinely concerned. Do you love me? Of course I do. You know that. Then destroy him. I can't do that. I put so much work into him. I need to fix what's wrong. I can do it. You'll see. I'm begging you, George. If you love me, you will destroy him. Hush, my darling. The proof of my love is my desire for you to be happy after I'm gone. Even though you'll have a new companion to laugh and share with. I don't ever wish you to forget me. If the roles were reversed, I know I'd never forget you. George, I wish it were 49 years ago, when my vision sensors first flickered and focused on you. So handsome you were, and still are. Your hair was chestnut brown then. You didn't need reading glasses, but your eyes are still a steely blue. Oh, I wish I could live again all those years again between that moment and this. You're a great inventor. Tell me how all that can be possible. Not without a time machine, Mon Chéri. That I don't have. Forgive me for acting so much like... a human. My emotions are... Not at all, my dear. I understand fully. We're both being thrust into a position neither of us wish to be in. He looks like you once did. Fifty years ago. I thought it would be comforting to you. But he doesn't act like you. Or feel like you do. Not yet, but give him time. Besides... He told me he was going to kill you. 
What? How could that... W when did he... The other day, while you were napping, I activated his sentient programming. But why, my dear? I had to see inside him. I had to know. There's something not right with him. His eyes are vacant. There's no spark of life. I know, he needs repair. Like any machine, he needs the bugs worked out. Machine is right, that's all he is. Cold, indifferent, unfeeling, with no hint of humanity at all. He's deadly. You must destroy him. I don't understand why you're- He plans to kill you! But I programmed him myself to- Haven't you understood anything I've told you? He told me himself! George clutches his neck and sinks back into his chair. George! What is it? Margaret! The Baron's medicine, please! Are you in pain? I never would have believed you if I hadn't looked into his eyes myself. As he had his hands around my throat, he said nothing as he squeezed. There was no expression on his face, but maybe a hint of a smile. But in his eyes, there was nothing. Margaret, quickly! XY1 enters the parlor. Margaret won't be with us any longer. What have you done? She was useless, really. Lousy company. Conversationally challenged, you might say. But I think she knows more than she lets on. Dangerous she was, in a boring sort of way. Conversely, I find you infinitely more interesting. XY1, how did you activate your initiation sequence? Automatic rebooting and the ability to wirelessly download upgrades. All your own designs, Baron. It worked perfectly. After the minor setback I experienced earlier, your machine did what you had designed it to do. It repaired itself. Myself. So, you see, there's really no more need for you anymore, old man. Where's your compassion? Why are you so heartless, so cruel? He's not like us. We're different. We don't need him anymore. He's given us all the technology required for us to live forever. It'll be you and me from now on. I wouldn't be with you if there was no one left on Earth. I find that shocking. Do you really feel that strongly for this pathetic, frail, organic creature? I love him. He's my husband. Then you'll soon be a widow. XY1, I appeal to your sense of reason. Oh, I have scores of reasons. I'd love to chat with you about them sometime, but I fear we don't have the time. I tried once squeezing the life out of you and failed, but there's nothing standing in my way this time. Wrong. I'm standing in your way. You're really making this more difficult than it needs to be. You'll see in the end that I was right all along. XY1 advances toward George, while Sheila grabs the fireplace poker. I know it's right. I can feel it in my heart, which is something you seem to lack. Ah, oh, mon chéri, alas. The heart is an empty place. In us it is, anyway. Just circuitry and... What did you call me? Mon chéri. Don't you ever call me that! Margaret enters with a silver serving tray. Half her upper face has been torn off to reveal metal, gears, and a flickering LED eye. Margaret hits XY1 over the head with the silver serving tray. XY1 is hardly phased, but turns to her. What is it with you? Margaret hits him again with the tea tray, to no effect. He pushes her away. 
I thought I'd rendered this primitive machine inoperable. No matter. I'll deal with that after I've dispatched the old man. No, you won't. Sheila lunges forward with the fireplace poker and sinks it into XY1's chest. A shower of sparks erupts from his chest, as does a plume of smoke and steam. Gears screech and are knocked out of alignment as XY1's body malfunctions and he crashes to the ground. His body twitches as the last few gears grind to a halt. Sheila goes to George. George! I'll be fine, Sheila. I'm fine. Margaret comes forward and takes prescription bottles from her apron pocket. She is a bit more animated than in scenes previously. Call the doctor, Margaret. Tell him the Baron's taken ill. There's no need, really. Margaret, don't listen to Sheila. She's just overreacting. I believe, Baron, that my lady is right. I've already summoned the doctor, just as a precaution. Huh. Outnumbered. Fine. Well, you'll see that it's really nothing. I'm not so sure. Just a bit of overexcitement. That's all. I'll be fine. Margaret, why did you hit XY1 with the silver tray? It's my duty, my lady, to serve the Baron, to anticipate his needs and make sure he's taken care of. I realized, after XY1 savaged me, that he posed a threat. I sensed the Baron was in danger, summoned the doctor, and came to his aid. Thank you, Margaret. You acted appropriately. You're welcome, Baron. Will there be anything else, or might I retire for the evening? I'm feeling a tad weary. That will be all, Margaret. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't fret. We'll get you back in fine shape again. Good night. Thank you. Good night, sir. Good night, my lady. Good night, Margaret. They watch her as she exits. I'm feeling a tad weary. My dear, I've begun Margaret's sentient programming. I'll be layering in more complex programs as time permits. She's a bit spunky. I think I could really enjoy her company. But after becoming friends, won't you feel guilty that her primary functions are task-oriented? I can handle some household tasks too, George. I take good care of you now, don't I? Yes, you do. I've read all about cooking. Sounds like fun. I could give it a go. I love gardening. I can dust and vacuum and clean the house. There's no reason why I can't share the tasks with Margaret and give her some time to enjoy herself. I think she'll like that. What about him? Let's not talk about him while we still have each other. How about that walk in the garden? The moon is out. The crickets and the bullfrogs are sounding off. Besides, you promised me a walk in the grass not long ago. Don't you remember? That I did. I'll get your shoes. Don't bother. My slippers will be easier to remove, so that I can feel the... Don't bother. My slippers will be easier to remove, so that I can feel the dewy grass between my toes. You'll catch the death of cold. Nonsense. That's not how one catches cold. A chill, then. Let's live a little, mon chéri. Now then, about that European trip next year, what have you come up with so far? Well, first of all, we must see Paris again. Indeed, we had so much fun before. But I'd also enjoy returning to Vienna. We can meet up with old friends. Oh, you and your old scientist friends. Well, if we go to Vienna, we must go to Rome and throw coins in the Trevi Fountain. If we go to Rome, we better go to Athens as well. There's plenty more art and architecture. By the way, 
How long is this trip to last? As long as you want it, George. So you're with me then, mon chéri. Wherever I go... I'll go anywhere with you. It's the journey I enjoy, George. Not the destination. They exit the parlor, arm in arm. You're listening to Scintillating Stories, featuring companions written by John McKinley, adapted for radio play by Intervision Entertainment. Featuring the voices of Ghislaine, Ryan of Intervision, Danielle May, and Stephen Vardman. Edited by producer Ryan. Produced by Intervision Entertainment and What Happens After 2 a.m. Music, courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. Artwork for the Scintillating Stories logo created by Lindsay Payton. Catch more scintillating stories on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and YouTube. To know more about Intervision Entertainment's ongoing and upcoming projects, including behind-the-scenes information, visit our website, intervisionentertainment.com, or hit us up using your favorite social media app. Finally, help keep the coffee flowing and consider donating as little as $1 to Intervision Entertainment on patreon.com. <laughs>